0: Good morning everybody. Now obviously it's been a couple of weeks since I've done one of these and we're going to be slowing them down and probably shortening them up depending on the chapter. I'm still eager to do it. Getting back to work is shaking things up quite a lot and it's been a bit wild. But we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, just chapter 3, super easy, it's 13 verses. So what I want you to do, pause this, go and read 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, all 13 verses and make some thoughts, and then come back to me. Fantastic. right? We're going to break it down into three chunks. The first six verses, 6 to 9, and then 11 to 13. So, take what you read from the first six verses of chapter 3, and think about what stands out, and then think about what you can learn from what Paul is saying. Now, I came across with three major points for this. The first one is that it is incredibly important to disciple people so that you can not not fob the job off to them, but so that you as a Christian or as a leader in whatever capacity it is, can have a trusted group of people who are going to continue the work when you can't. So Paul is saying he's stuck he's stuck in Athens. And he sends Timothy to see what's going on in the Thessa, in the Thessaly church. Now, if Timothy was a crook uh, and a guy with low moral character who didn't understand the gospel, he could have gone, taught the Thessalonian church a load of crazy stuff, which would have caused more problems. But Timothy, if you've ever read Timothy, you know he's trusted, he's knowledgeable, he's very spiritually sound, he understands Christianity. It is so important that we teach. Young Christians, new Christians, and even Christians who've been there for a while, but maybe need a bit of the shake-up, that we teach people what the Bible's actually saying, the ethics of the Bible, um, the what is expected as a Christian, and not just to try and fill seats and make things all happy all the time. We're not going to be here forever. Our children need to know what it is we believe and why, and hopefully even more, maybe they'll even do it better than we will it's really, discipleship is so very important. And the second thing that really stood out to me, as it always does with Paul's letters, is in uh, verse 3 and 4. Trials, he says, So that no one would be unsettled by these trials, for you know quite well that we are destined for them. The Christian, the believer, whose heart and soul is for Christ and not for the world, will suffer. I listened to an interesting other podcast, which featured Tom Wright, who was a very, very good theologian. He was a former bishop of Durham, I want to say. And he made this like distinction that only Western Christians have a problem with suffering. And he's not saying that people who suffer in poorer countries don't have a problem with it. Not at all. But he's saying that the concept that when you're a Christian, life might go badly for you and things might go badly. The concept that suffering exists for the Christian seems to be completely at odds with the Western worldview. And so we try and create a Christianity in the West that seems to suggest that suffering will not take place and failure will not take place and poverty will not take place under Christ. When Christ returns, this is true. But Paul is very clear. If you are a Christian, living a Christian faith, expect trials. And then we have my third thing that really points out in the first six verses is that in verse 5 Paul says, I could stand it any longer. And that's why he sent Timothy to find it. He couldn't stand not knowing whether this new church in Thessaly was doing okay Or whether they had kind of come up with some tempting and suffering and had decided just to jack it all in because it was too tough. And Paul needs to know that this church has been able to face the trials and come out the other side. And it's important that we and our network of Christians, whether it's friends, whether it's Christians that work together, or whether it's churches to churches, it's important that we reach out to find out whether we are doing okay. Because no matter how much we try and hide it, tough times will come. And if we don't have the support, that is one of those things that can, as Paul is afraid of here, shake the faith. So... We've already been talking for five minutes, Greek. Um, Verses six to nine is the first part of this report that Timothy sends back. And the report is good. And he says that, you know, that they have pleasant memories of Paul, that they really want to see him just as he wants to see them. And so they're really encouraged. And the verse that kind of stands out for me is verse eight. Paul knowing that the church are doing well that they haven't given into temptation that they actually are fondly remembering him and the teaching of christ he says now we really live because you are standing firm in the lord he's saying he cares he that's his whole thing is that he cares for his fellow christians and if he doesn't think they're doing well he's wrapped up he can't really get on with life but now He can really live and he can be encouraged and he can get on with life and he can stand positively because he knows that others are standing firm in the church. Christians should be all about other Christians. Not about what God God do for me, 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 but how can we see God working in you? And how we can see the churches over there getting stronger in their faith and being more positive in their faith, not just about how we can be positive in our faith. And so he ends chapter 3 with a prayer. Now, a few weeks ago, um, we, did a talk, we did a talk in church on the prayers of Paul, and this is another prayer. Um, so if you want to just reread verses 11 to 13, to the bulk of the prayer, he says, May our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for you, for each other and everyone else, just as ours does for you. And may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with his holy ones. Look at that prayer. There's even a bit of selfishness, really. <laughs> like he wants God to clear the way so that they can meet up. And, and it's not they can meet up so poor can make money. It's not that they can meet up so poor can be famous. It's that they can meet up so that they can together rejoice in one another's company for the Lord. He prays that their love increases and overflows for each other and for everyone, not just for Christians, for everyone. He wants the church's number one thing to be loving each other and overflowing into loving everyone else. And then finally we've got this other big point of this prayer. Strong hearts so that you will be blameless and holy before god and jesus and the holy ones we know having been a christian for a week a month year 10 years 20 years whatever that going to church and just saying the words or sitting at home and oh thank you god for my dinner or thank you god for tonight good night bye just doing little things like that isn't enough it's not just enough to just say the, the right things and You know, even it's not even enough just to listen to the right music. And it isn't even enough just to kind of say, oh, how many Bible verses do I need to read a day? And these are all good things. But what's really important for the Christian is that the Holy Spirit strengthens your innermost being. So that what you're choosing to do with your time, what you're choosing to do with your mind, and what you're choosing to do with your body is steered towards Jesus and is more like him and blameless and holy. Remember, holy means set apart and it's less like the world and less like your selfish desires. He's not stupid. He doesn't think that if you pray that prayer, then immediately you will just be perfect for the rest of your life. But in God's strength, our hearts can be steered more and more to look like Jesus And what that looks like is a man who lived his entire life to give and serve and encourage and love and forgive and ultimately die for others. Nothing in Jesus' teaching is Jesus being selfish. Nothing in Jesus' teaching is Jesus being conniving or cunning to make money or to exploit people. Everything that Jesus does in the Gospels with his life and his death is to serve others. Like Paul says, overflowing love for each other and everyone. And Jesus shows his love to everyone. The enemies of the Jews, the Romans, the Gentiles, the Samaritans, all the people that you wouldn't want to hang out with, Jesus has love for them. And he doesn't condemn them. He doesn't attack them. He goes and spends time with them to show them that the heart of God cares. So may... God, strengthen your hearts so that you will be steered towards being more like Jesus. Hey, and that's 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. If, uh, if you have any thoughts, if you have any uh, questions, queries, comments, anything you don't agree with, hit me up. I'm always happy to talk about scripture. Have a lovely day.